Heavenly Father, we thank you for every good gift and we thank you for the gift of this moment together. We thank you for this time. Uh, We thank you, Father, for the extreme privilege that it is to begin so many days uh, hearing from you through your word and praying together. Uh, And we thank you for this last chance to do it as a group of men in this way this year. Uh, Father, we pray that you'd bless our time. We pray, Father, that you might speak uh, through the words that I say, that you might draw attention um, to the word that you have left cause to be written. Uh, And we pray, Father, that as a result, we might know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all that we do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you like a good road trip? There's not a lot of enthusiasm for a good road trip. I love a good road trip. Uh, I think the most ambitious road trip that uh, we ever went on as a family was to Victoria Falls. Uh, So I had to go through Namibia, uh, Botswana, into Zimbabwe. Um, It was three days of solid driving. Uh, And we had another family with us, which was a joy. Uh, So there were four teenagers and four adults in one combi van Um, with all our camping gear in the trailer behind. It was great. Well, not every moment of it was, (laughs) was equally great, right? It was a great trip because we had a great goal. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Victoria Falls, one of the seven, uh, great wonders of the world. It's extraordinary. Um, you know, cloud of steam pouring off these enormous waterfalls and we knew it was there. And that's where we were heading to. And because that's where we were heading to, you could put up with the tyres blowing out in the way, um, the animals running across in front of you and kind of the four-wheel lock-up as the combis sideways. You put up with, well, not all eight are all on their best behaviour at the same moment, you know. And, but you put up with, because the goal was so good and when the goal is good the journey's okay and in fact there are bits on the journey that are fantastic and even the bits that are hard even when you hit the rocky road even when you're into the sand even when it looks like you're not going to get through even when the border guards stop you and you're wondering how you're going to get through that and you can get through all kinds of things if the goal that you're heading toward makes it worthwhile And so it has been for the last 30 years as a Christian, I've got to say. Uh, Sometimes it's smooth travelling and beautiful scenery and life is good. And there's other times. And in those other times especially, it's the hope of the new heavens and the new earth that keeps me going. It's the great goal that we're heading toward that keeps me going. What I want to do with you in our last time together is to look at the end, at Revelation 21. Revelation 21, the last book of the Bible, written to Christian people who are aware that they are on a long and difficult journey. Their lives are full of trials, pain, very real persecution, and Revelation's the record of the vision that God gave John to share that the people would persevere. Uh, It's a vision of the Christian life, the goal of life, the goal of the history of all of creation and it paints a picture of what we are heading to as Christian men. 
Well, it's not a picture, really. It's more, it's more like a movie than a picture. And it's a movie where the, the camera starts panned back to the widest angle you could imagine and you, you catch a glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. But rapidly, the zoom draws in tighter and tighter. And it begins to focus not just or not on the whole of creation, but on just one city, on one city, on the, on the New Jerusalem. And then the focus draws in even more tightly to the throne within the city. And then our attention is drawn to the words that come from the throne, to the, to the very words of God himself. And it's as if the whole of the universe, the whole of space, of history, of time, is focused in on these words from the throne. I want us to hear these words together and remember this goal that we as Christian people are focused on and heading toward. Because it's my hope, it's my expectation that actually by spending time focusing on where we're going, it transforms the journey along the way. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderous, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Do you notice all the things that won't be in the new heavens and the new earth? Verse 1, no more sea. Um, it's bad news for surfers, but for, uh, for the Jewish people, the sea is the source of evil and danger and it's gone. Verse 4, no more death, you see. I was talking to a mate on the phone just this morning whose daughter died uh, a year ago today. And as we're talking a year on, we're both crying. Imagine no more death. A couple of weekends ago, I spent time with a mate whose wife died 18 years ago. He's not a believer. He's lived for 18 years with no hope beyond the agony 
of that loss. Don't you long for the new heavens and the new earth? No more mourning, verse 4, never again. No more crying, it's a great word, this um, it's a word about the noise of crying or groaning, the, the sound of pain, gone. Pain itself, verse 5, that captures up not just grief, but every kind of pain. All the hardships of life, gone. And as we skate over chapter 21 and 22, in chapter 22, verse 3, we see there's, there's no more curse, which of course, recalls Genesis 3 for us and all of the pain and all of the frustration and the death that has come because of sin and it'll all be gone in the new heavens and the new earth. No more curse. Can you imagine? Chapter 22, verse 5, no more night. People do things in the dark they'd never do in the daylight. But in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no more night. No more lying awake, worried about the terrors on the other side of the door. No more waking up to news of the latest scandal or tragedy. No more night. And this list is only the beginning of all of the things that God is going to take away. No more fear, no more anxiety, no more cancers, no more tumours, funerals, no more keys, no more locks, no more alarm systems, no more unfaithfulness, no more lies, no more bullying, no more corruption, no more unfairness, no more hunger, no more poverty, no more persecution, no more. Do you long for the new heavens and the new earth? There'll be work in heaven, but it won't be painful and a lot of people are going to need to retrain. There'll be no lawyers in heaven. Um, in case you are a lawyer, uh, I'm just saying when you get to heaven, you won't be a lawyer. I'm not <laughs> saying anything about that. <laughs> no more policemen. <laughs> There'll be no security guards, no doctors, no nurses, no social workers, no politicians and no pastors. No need. Have you ever wondered what it might have been like for Adam and Eve to wander through the garden in the cool of the evening with God? Well, for us, it'll be like that, but even better. God is going to put up his tent next to our tent. That's what it says, Revelation 21.3. In fact, he says it three different times, just in case we missed it the first two times. Did you, did you catch it? On the way through, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's because of this that there's something else that won't be in heaven. There'll be no temple. Chapter 21, verse 22. There's no need for a temple. 
in the prophets, you know, is there a temple? Is there not a temple? But here, as the camera zooms right in and we get a close-up view of the heavenly Jerusalem, the new city, we see there's no need. Have a look from verse, verse 9 down to verse uh, 22, uh, 21. Uh, you get all kinds of descriptions there of what the new heavens and the new earth are going to be like. Um, a lot of detail. A lot of detail. And be, it is an interesting thing to pull apart the detail and see all the antecedents and what it is that this is pointing to. But I, I just want to focus on one thing, uh, which I think draws clarity to the whole. It's in verse 16. Revelation 21, verse 16. The city was laid out as a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. And I think that's the point. Right? Isn't that what you're looking forward to? 2,100 kilometres cubed. Why is that important? Why would you describe a city as a cube? Why why is the height... Length and breadth, sure, but why a cube? Well, to remind us of the cube that was meant to point ahead to this cube, the cube of the Old Testament, the only thing that I can see in the Bible described as a cube in this way is the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, as wide and as long as it is high. Slightly bigger in the temple than the tabernacle, but both cubes. And the point is that this entire city is the most holy place imaginable. Under the old covenants, only the high priest who goes into the Holy of Holies, even then only on the Day of Atonement, after a full day's work of sacrificing and cleansing. And the the promise here is not that you and I will get to visit that place, that is home. And we will live there with God for eternity in the most holy place you can imagine. Have you ever felt that your prayers just bounce off the ceiling? If you throw it out there, you just wonder. Yes, we live by faith, but when you find it hard to relate to a God that you can't see and touch, wouldn't it be easier? Don't you long for the day when you can live by sight and not by faith? Could you imagine what it will be like to live with God, to dwell with God, to be with God forever. During the lockdowns, we were all separated from some people we loved and locked in with others we started off (laughs) uh, with others we loved. And, um, And we had the huge blessing of all these ways of being in touch, didn't we? So you could video call, you could phone call, you could email. There's all kinds of ways that you can be in touch. But when you were locked down and you weren't able to physically go and visit uh, your mother or your grandmother in the nursing home or your, your girlfriend, or when you couldn't physically go to be with those people, it's, 
Thanks for Zoom, but it's just not the same. And isn't living by faith a little bit like that? And don't you long for the day when you will live with God forever? When you will have a a sense, a closer sense of the warmth of His presence. His presence will be the light by which you see forever. That kind of close personal relationship has always been part of God's promises to his people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, the nation of Israel, King David, the exiles in Babylon, the followers of the Lord Jesus. Um, we, We get to call God Father, but all of us, there was the promise that he will be our God, they will be his people and they will be with him and that's true and it's true right now, but don't you long for the day when that experience is in every sense of your being. That's the goal, that's the direction that we're heading for. And did you catch how you and I are described on the way through this? Um, It's difficult to imagine, uh, but brothers, we are described as beautiful. Not just beautiful, of course, A beautiful bride, all of us together. A beautiful bride. Um, Now, I don't know what you get up to on the weekends, but um, it's a difficult image, isn't it, for many men, most men, um, a lot of men, to imagine themselves as a beautiful bride or even as part of the beautiful bride. Um, I mean, even when you get married and you go to great lengths to look your best... Uh, Do you know, on average, that brides spend seven times as much money on their appearance on their wedding day as the groom? No surprise, is it? It's the way it's done. And yet here, at the end of days, you and I have had every possible detail of our beauty accounted for. And we are beautiful before our groom. What does that mean? Well, uh, the beautiful bride dressed for our husband, the beautiful clothes we wear are the righteous acts of the saints. Or as John writes in his his first letter, 1 John 3, 2, uh, he writes, Dear friends, now we are children of God, what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And this is what beauty actually is that we will see and be like Jesus. And the more like Him, the more beautiful we are. And of course, it's true that we are in Him now, but won't it be great to be able to live by sight and not only by faith? Don't you want to see Jesus clearly, to be made perfectly like Him in every way, so that there is no more battle with change, no more battle with sin, what Chris was talking about here yesterday, where all of your lust and impatience and greed and self-centeredness and gossip is done away with forever. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't struggle with any of those things, then the good news for you, brother, is that your battle with pride and self-righteousness will be over as well. 
See, it's good news for all of us. Our battle with sin done because we will be made to be just like him. And we'll be beautiful. Don't you love putting on new clothes? I'm, I am a man of fairly basic pleasures, but even a, even a pair of new socks, you know, it's, it just puts a bit of a spring in your step, doesn't it? And you wear new clothes, it just, new things are great. The new car smell, love getting into a bed, freshly made bed. How good's that, right? Imagine waking up every morning in a place where, behold, I have made all things new. A world of fresh sheets and new car smells. <laughs> Forever! Where everything gives you that sense. But the key thing about the new heavens and the new earth is that God is at the centre of it all. Everything revolves around here. And that's why all the problems are gone, isn't it? Here on earth we behave like we're the most important things. We have this, this project to usurp God's kingship driven into our sinful hearts and yet in heaven God is at the centre and because he is in the right place all things are well. There's an aching world that needs to know this hope, that needs to know that this hope comes through faith in Jesus alone. Who is going to tell them? They don't want to hear, but who is going to tell them? I wonder, brothers, are, are you prepared to make tough decisions to be a beacon of light in a world that would prefer to be dark and yet longs for the light. If you are, to get through the next 20, 30, 50, however many years God gives us, we are going to need to focus on that light, to focus on the Lord Jesus ourselves, to keep being drawn back to him, all over the world, there are men and women who believe the same things that we do and who this day are suffering for that faith. But they keep going, in part, because they know where they are going to. And as life rolls over the top of you in all kinds of ways, having a sure and certain hope, a goal that you know that you are heading toward, will help you press on in the journey, whether today it's easy or not. Having our eyes on the light of hope, the light of the gospel, the light of the world, the Lord Jesus, and all that he brings for us. I wish I could kind of wave a magic wand and tell you that you know, you, your life after college is just going to be easy and smooth and everyone's going to love hearing what you've got to say and it's just not true. It's not true and it wouldn't honour God anyway. But I can promise you this. When we are in the new heavens and the new earth, you'll look back on this and realise that it was only for a little while. It was only for a little while. And if you'll just hold firmly to the hope of the gospel, if you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus, keep pressing forward to the great goal that he's laid before us, 
the new heavens and the new earth, you can have joy here and now in good times and tough. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a vivid, clear, sure and certain hope. Lord, in the midst of whatever griefs and pains are represented in this room, we thank you, Father, that it is only for a little while longer. And we do pray by your Spirit that you would cause us to endure, finding joy and hope in this life and those things beyond measure in the world to come. We commit one another to you, Father, to this end, in Jesus' name. Amen.